Would you open to uh, Joshua chapter 2 me today? grateful today that when the final word of this book was penned, the Lord didn't decide to be silent. When John closed the book, as it were, in Revelation, in his exhortation at the end there, as we see it. says literally, Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. That the Lord still desired to speak even beyond that. I'm grateful for that. And he's always speaking. But are we always hearing? So when Josh Fontaine was here, I believe it was the last time, he mentioned something in passing, and he talked about Rahab's declaration. Just, and it really even wasn't anywhere what he was sharing on that day. And so I started to look into that and what Rahab declared, and I wanted to see what she had to say. And I knew the story of Rahab, but I didn't remember what exactly she declared, and so we're going to look at that a little bit today. So let's turn to Joshua 2, if you have not already, and take a look today to see what this says. Joshua sends here, just so you have a backdrop of what's going on. In chapter 2 of the book of Joshua, Joshua has just been declared the leader of the Israelite people. It says in the very first chapter of Joshua 1, or in the very first chapter of Joshua, it says, Moses, my servant, is dead. And Joshua is declared the leader of the Israelite people. And one of the first things that he does is, as we see here as things progress, is that he takes on this Amorite city of Jericho. Jericho was a fortified city. It had a massive wall that was all the way around it. And so... He decides, based on the direction of what the Lord has, that he is going to overtake this. And so we see here, as we pick up in verse 1, Now Joshua the son of Nun sent two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. So we see here, this harlot, we'll see a little further down the way, that this person, Rahab, her home was actually on the wall of Jericho. So this wasn't just some little tiny cinder block wall like we think of that we see here. But this was a massive wall to the point where her home, where she stayed, was actually built on, on top of leaning against, it was connected to this wall. And she would welcome strange, welcome, I say that in parentheses on purposes, she would welcome strangers into 
her home that were coming and going through the gate. And it was for her business, this was a great location for her. Because as people were coming and going, there was lots of traffic and so forth. And so it was easy for them to conceal their intentions at a great location for her for what she was doing. But that also was an awesome location for the spies because they could go in there and because the amount of traffic, they could go pretty much undetected. Pretty much. So let's continue to read here. And it was told to the king of Jericho. So there was someone who noticed that these guys came in. There must have been something different about them that they noticed with all the traffic that was in and out. But they noticed these two. And the king of Jericho in verse 2 says, Behold, men have come here tonight, or they said to him, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. In verse 3, So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out our country. Verse 4, Then the woman took the two men and hid them and said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. Verse 5, And it happened, and the gate was shut. And when it was dark, the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. So we see here, she brings these men in. The guard comes knocking on her door. She says they're not here. She hides them. We'll see that in a minute here. But then she says, you know what? I think they escaped out the back, and the gate's now closed, so they must be on the other side of the wall. But if you pursue them, they haven't been gone for very long. If you go right outside there, you should probably find them. So she's redirecting these soldiers. Verse 6. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax where she had laid in order on the roof. So she was drying out this flax and she hid them underneath there so when the guard came, they didn't see them. Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan to the fords, and as soon as they who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now in verse 8, now therefore, or before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. And I began to ask myself in, in reading this, what was her motivation? Why would she do this? She obviously was allowed to run her business in a pretty prominent place. And she lied to the very guard that protected her. And the king ordered for them, for those men to be returned. And they were spies, which was not very well taken to. So she's basically committing treason here by saying, oh, they're not here. And hey, and why don't you go that way? They probably went out that direction. Why would she do that? So we see here in verse 9 the exact answer. I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. Now mind you, these are these people that are protected by this massive wall, yet they are faint-hearted 
by the very sound of hearing the whispers of this Israelite nation because they were hearing all the things that are going on beforehand. Verse 10, For we heard how the Lord dried up the water in the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. That's kind of a confirmation that that happened. This heathen woman here declaring that the water dried up. For you, when you came out of Egypt, and when you did to the two kings, or what you did to the two kings of Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Ak, whom you utterly destroyed. Watch this in verse 11. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. And here's her declaration. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven and on earth beneath. Here this heathen, unchurched harlot is declaring for the Lord your God. He is God, not only in heaven. Even people that don't know anything about the Lord have never stepped foot in a church except for a wedding. They, they, you know, if they believe that there's some supreme being, and a lot of times they'll say God, and they're, they're okay with that, and, you know, he created the earth, and they're all even all right with that in many cases, and, and when things get dire in their lives, and someone needs something, and a sickness, or whatever it is, many times they'll actually even call out to the Lord, they may not, don't know the exact churchy words to say, and that's okay, but they recognize that there is some supreme being. So for her to say that he is the Lord over the heaven, okay. But she takes it a step further and says, not only is he Lord over heaven, but he's Lord over all the earth beneath. That is another step of recognition of his authority. She's telling these spies this. And I can just imagine as they sit there and listening to this girl. <laughs> Wait a second. We chose to, to hide here because we just thought it would be easy to easy passage. But here we have this, this lady is declaring to us, not only that the Lord is God, but all these, this fortified city, those inside, their hearts are melted and they have no more courage. Probably looked at each other and said, this is going to be easier than we thought. <laughs> We're going to look good. For the Lord my God. Now we can say it. See, here's where the step, the little change for her is because she didn't know him. So she said, the Lord your God. She recognized that it was their God. This changes later on in her life. But we, see, we can declare that the Lord my God, he is Lord over all the earth. And heaven, we can declare that every single day. There are people in church today that don't even recognize what Rahab already knew. They may think that they are serving the Lord in some capacity. Maybe that's as far as that they know right now and that's okay where they are. But the Lord is calling us to know that and declare that He is Lord over all the earth. And for us to recognize that in our lives to say, For the Lord my God, He is Lord. King, reigning supreme over all. 
whatever challenge you may face. You can speak to it and say, for the Lord, my God, he is God. For whatever financial stress you may be under right now, you can declare, for the Lord, my God, he is God. Whatever disappointment is weighing heavy upon you, you can declare to that today, for the Lord, my God, he is God. Whatever obstacles that we endure, for the Lord, my God, he is God. Let's continue here. Verse 12, now therefore I beg you, swear to me, this is Rahab still speaking here, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house. And give me a true token. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have. And deliver our lives from death. And remember that statement. We're going to come back to that in a second. So the man in verse 14 answered her, Our lives for yours. If none of you tells this business of ours, and it shall be, when the Lord has given us the land, that we shall deal kindly and truly with you. Then she shall let down, oh, then she let them down. Before we go there, I want to talk about this a, little, a second here. So, mind you, she, they tell her that if your family is in your home at the time of when we return, they'll be saved. Anybody in your home, anybody are the covering, under your covering, shall be saved. That is to imply that her family was not there with her. She had to go and speak to them to tell them to come and to be with her because they weren't there. Now whether it's because they didn't approve of her lifestyle or the things that she was doing, whatever, Scripture doesn't really speak to that. But even still, with all the things that is going on in her life, she made sure that she was looking out for her family. And they said, absolutely. Whoever is under your covering will be saved. Verse 15. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, Go to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you there. Hide there three days until the pursuers ha have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. So the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made with us. Swear, unless when we come to the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. Unless you bring... Here's why we know that they didn't live with her. Bring your father, mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home. So it shall be whoever goes outside the doors of your house to the street, his blood shall be on his own head. And we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on them. If you tell this business of ours, then we shall be free of your oath, which you made us swear. She replies, according to your words, so be it. 
She sent them away and departed, and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. As <laughs> soon as they left, she put that cord out there. She wanted to make sure, because she didn't know when they were going to return. Yes, they are going into the mountains, they are going to hide out there for three days and go. But she wanted to make sure she wasn't going to forget. She was going to bind that cord out there. So significance of that cord is beautiful. It wasn't by any happenstance or mistake that it was a scarlet cord. Just like they would apply the blood on the door and the lintel so that the death angel would pass over them. She was hanging a scarlet cord who represented that. That blood, of course, as we know, represents the blood of Jesus being applied in our lives so that the death angel will pass over. He has no stake in our lives, no claim over our lives. Even if there is an entire situation or the walls are falling all around us because we have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to our lives, that scarlet cord hanging from us, we can declare that, hey, I know I'm protected because I have that scarlet cord hanging. I have that blood applied to my life, so I will not be touched by this calamity that has come upon my nation. Scarlet cord. Hey, once was with a guy this week. It was a, a realtor and and uh, also a, a fellow believer, and and we were talking about how Jesus is through out the entire Old Testament. You can see Jesus. This is definitely something that points directly to him. Without exception. Had she, no matter what she had done, all the things that she had already done for them, all the good deeds that she had done, if she had not applied that scarlet cord in her window, hear me, if we don't apply, no matter how good you are, no matter the things that you have done, if we don't apply the blood of Jesus on our lives, she would have been destroyed along with everyone else. She bound that scarlet cord in the window. Verse 22. They departed, went to the mountains, and stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all along the way, but did not find them. So the two men returned, descended from the mountain, crossed over, came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all that had befallen them. And he said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, for indeed, all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. There are walls that we face that seem impossible to defeat. But what we don't know is behind the facade of all that protection is an enemy that is scared to death of the Christ in you. We see this fortified vessel. We think, Lord, there is nothing that could ever overcome. We, we are challenged with things. How could it possibly ever happen that I would be able to overcome this? But if we could only see on the other side, just like those people, that their hearts melted. And they all courage had left them. The same things that we face. 
On the other side of that facade is an enemy that is shaking because that blood stain on your life. So I tell you today, by the word of the Lord, to march silently around that wall. Six days if it has to. And on the seventh day, when we hear the Spirit directing that you make a shout, that you blow the trumpet, that you shout for victory, and watch those walls tumble down. Just like they saw the children here with these wall of Jericho tumble and they went through and if you continue reading this story there was none left save that entire wall fell we're going to see here in just a little bit you're going to see him bring deliverance in your life you're going to see him bring victory when defeat seems imminent Stand and see the salvation of our God. Stand and see. Look at chapter 6 here quickly. This is the story of the destruction of Jericho. But look in verse 17. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who were with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that were sent. So we see here that this wall comes tumbling down, as we used to sing. The entire thing falls, with the exception of the section where Rahab was. That's physically impossible. It doesn't happen. Supernaturally, the Lord supported that section so her family would be saved because of that bloodstain. And why was that bloodstain there? Because she recognized for the Lord, your God, he is What's the significance of this? She helped these spies. They overcome this Amorite nation, which they had done. They had conquered the other two kings we previously mentioned. They didn't need Rahab. But what happens with this lady? Is that the end of her story? She started her beginning of her life was I mean even when she's mentioned in the New Testament typically it has an adjective with it Rahab the harlot describing who she was what she did many times we have beginnings that maybe aren't so fantastic things that can be attributed to us that Possibly we don't want that descriptor following us around. But here's the good news. That's not how she finished her life. How do we know? Let's look. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 1. 
to see here in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Verse 5. Salman begot Boaz by who? Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse, which is a familiar name, because Jesse begat David, the what? King. Pretty interesting here. Now, I did a lot of research trying to find out who this guy was, Rahab's husband. Some suppose that he was one of the spies and that he returned his enduring love for her loyalty. Scripture doesn't say that, so it makes for great theater but doesn't uh, speak to that. So I think that might be a little bit of poetic license. Is it possible? Sure. Does Scripture speak to it? It does not. But regardless, we see here, if you continue reading there, it says that they took her and her family and they put them just outside of Israel. And she dwelt with them. And at some point or another, she had met this Man, whether he was one of the spies or not, it doesn't really matter. She met this man, and they together had a son. There are five women that are mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. She's one. This harlot. Now, the Lord allows, we're going to look at the other four another day as well. But it's so interesting, you have... You know, typically, I'll be honest with you, whenever I read in the book of Matthew, typically I go, okay, let's see, beget, 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 okay, verse 18. So if we all did that and never, we know that scripture is intentional. So obviously the Holy Spirit felt it important to make these lists, because it's not only in there once. What it does says to me is, despite of her ill beginnings, the Lord saw something in her and recognized it to the point where she was able to be identified in the line of the King of Kings. This isn't just, this was just some lady that happened to have a son. I mean, just some guy in Scripture who happened to be a good guy. I mean, she was in the lineage of Jesus Christ. This is kind of a select group. So if you think about it, how close was Rahab in generation to King David? So we have her husband, Salmon, Salmon, however you say that, he wasn't a fish, so Salmon. Then you have Boaz. Then you have Obed, Jesse, David. She was his great-great-grandmother. That's how close. So, when I was up until my, I don't know, 12, 13 maybe? Pastor's not here, so I don't know what year she passed away. Pastor's grandmother was still alive until my, like, I was in my early teens. She was 90-something when she died, right? So we used to call her Granny. So if you think about, so that's my, 
my father's grandfather or grandmother, who was mother to my to the founding pastor of this church. Then you have pastor, myself, and my kids. So granny, not this granny, the original granny. She's a ripoff. I don't know if you guys knew that. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I can get away with that. She's not here. So the original granny, the OG, to my kids, that's how close it was. Rahab, to the greatest king of Israel, save Jesus. That's how close. This harlot, this heathen who didn't even really know anything about, she didn't read scripture, she didn't go to the, to the temple. She was a great-great-grandmother to the greatest king in Israel's history, chosen and selected, not by her past, but because of her future. Today, you are chosen, not because of your past. Because the last time I checked, that past is under this blood that that represents. You are chosen because of your future. We see in Hebrews eleven thirty one. Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter, the, the hall of fame of faith, as it were. Right? People in Scripture that had great amounts of faith are itemized here and listed. We have people like Enoch, who was a guy who, who was walked with God to a point where the Lord basically said, you know what, Enoch? No reason to go home. Just come home with me tonight. One of two people that never went the way of the grave. In that same list, Noah, who stood for righteousness when the entire world was so wicked. Just a few chapters from creation to Noah. That, that always boggles my mind, how wicked the earth was in that short amount of time. But this guy, dude stood in the face of adversity and built a boat and said it was going to flood when it never even had rained. There's some faith. Abraham. Friend of God, father of the Israelite nation. He, he said, I'm going, you're going to make you a father of nations. And the dude, it was close to 100 years old, had never even had a son. Married to a dried up, barren woman. But you're going to be the father of many. Your, your seed is going to be more than the sands of the earth, more than the stars in the sky. He had to walk in faith. And Joseph and Moses and David, all these that we know. You look in chapter 11 of Hebrews. Guess who else is in that list? This harlot. All, the Hall of Fame. We had pictures up of the Hall of Fame in Scripture. That's what chapter 11 in Hebrews is. It is listing the Hall of Fame. They, didn't even, they had an induction ceremony for these guys. And guess who's in there? Rahab, because of her faith. He took her disgraced and used it for deliverance. 
He took her shame and used it for salvation. He took her mourning, turned it into dancing. He took her sorrow and turned it into a song. And that's the same thing he can do for you. What was the key? Her declaration. For the Lord my God, he is God. Why don't you stand with me today and declare with me one last time. Let's stand. Let's say it together. For the Lord my God, he is God. Say it again. For the Lord my God, he is God. For the Lord my God, he is God. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that you are Lord over all the earth and heaven above. Lord, it's easy for us to reconcile that you're Lord of heaven. But Lord, we declare today, even in this wicked world, this world that has spat, in this nation that has spat in your face, Lord, we still declare, and we see you high and lifted up, seated on your throne. Lord, we declare today over Novi, Michigan, that you are Lord of all. You are God. You reign supreme. So grateful today, O oh God. We say thank you that you're so victorious in our lives, Lord, the things that we face. Lord, you bring deliverance. So we put our faith in you, just like Rahab did, because she knew what the Israelites didn't, is that their hearts melted, and they remained no more courage. Lord, help us to walk in this life knowing that you are victorious, and Satan is defeated. Lord, we don't give him any ground in our life. We don't give him any credit. We don't give him any victory because you, Lord, have already defeated him. We thank you for that, O oh God. Lord, take our sorrow and turn it into your song. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you. You're dismissed.